global crisis. Bible prophecy. Health and preparedness. You're just in time. 11th Hour Dispatch. Father in heaven, we thank you for another day of life. We thank you for Jesus Christ and for the promise of his soon return. As we look at world events and news headlines now, we pray for a spiritual understanding and a greater love for you. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Welcome to 11th Hour Dispatch. This is Scott Ritzema with another 30-minute news program. And I have to tell you something. While the world seems to be just getting more and more insane and on the brink of major financial and geopolitical and cultural ruin, like headlines like these, has China reached its debt limit? China's credit cycle could be arriving at its end. 87% of Venezuelans say that they don't have money to buy enough food. Venezuela has just collapsed recently. More economic news to go over than just that. But even in the midst of the global crisis that we see emerging all around us, you can have the peace that transcends all understanding. As I started the broadcast today, it hit me. I feel fully alive. The life of Jesus Christ that he poured out on the cross, his grace and peace that he pours into our lives, into our hearts and our minds to give us the the fullness of life, what he called the abundant life. That is the ultimate contrast. In fact, the opening music and theme of the program starts out with the the ominous sounds of the coming storm upon our world, but then the peace and grace of knowing Jesus. And soon that contrast will end as all evil will be annihilated, but we have to be secure in the foundation of Jesus Christ, fastened to the rock which cannot move, our shield and our surely great reward. Fix your eyes upon him, In the eye of this storm, CNBC reports investor cash levels are consistent with a recession, according to the Bank of America. Fund managers' cash levels are at their highest in nearly 15 years, amid worries over a British exit from the European Union and the possibility that global monetary policy is failing. We'll talk about that British exit in a moment. Portfolios are at 5.7% cash. Well, that may not mean anything to you. You're not a necessarily a uh, fund manager and uh, you know guru of this kind of thing, but basically what this means is they're moving into cash positions as a conservative move, anticipating tumult in the markets. These are the highest cash rates, 5.7% of all investments moving over to liquid cash, the highest since 2001, November of 2001, and that was right after the dot-com bubble collapse, the, the, the stock market crash of 2000, and right after 9-11. So this is pretty serious. The, the, the smart money, the big fund managers and their clients moving into a position that anticipates what, what the article says, according to Bank of America, a, a recession anticipation, which we've been reporting on for many months, that 
We are heading into a serious economic time, which Reuters reports the European Central Bank would publicly pledge to backstop financial markets in tandem with the Bank of England if, and here's the uh, the operative part, if Britain would vote to leave the European Union, officials with knowledge of the matter told Reuters. So basically, you've got central banks positioning themselves to catch the, uh, the reaction of a potential British vote to leave the European Union. And that is the biggest news of all. Yes, there's a lot of inf- interesting economic news. We'll get into that more in a moment. But today, unless you're listening to a rebroadcast of this, today, on Wednesday, the, the British referendum, the people are literally going to the polls to vote whether they want to stay in the European Union or not. And it's close. It's It was uh, 19% in favor of leaving just about a week, week and a half ago. And the latest on that, after there was this tragic shooting of a British member of parliament named Joe Cox, a woman, she was shot, assassinated by some crazed lunatic. And the official story is that this maniac was some sort of British nationalist zealot. So now the we want to leave the European Union side of things looks crazy and many people have swung back over to cooler heads will prevail let's stick with the status quo and if you're not familiar with what the european union is all about this was a move that began post world war ii in the corridors of power and places like the bilderberg group which i spoke about that met a couple of weekends ago and they hatched this program and this plan to unify Europe under one centralized government with the goal of becoming a European superstate, a United States of Europe. Now, of course, if you studied Bible prophecy, Daniel 2 points out that this will not happen. You will not have a reunification of the ancient Roman Empire. Napoleon tried it. Charlemagne tried it. Otto von Bismarck, uh, Hitler, all of these people who thought that they would be the great conquerors and imperialists who would be the single military and, and political ruler over Europe all failed. This is how you had actual uh, officers within the Nazi German army able to predict we're not going to win this war because some of them knew Bible prophecy and could make that call. In fact, entire regiments of the of the German Nazi army in one case, stored up provisions in preparation for losing because they knew that the Germans would not reunify their ancient Roman Empire and and become this dominant imperial force in Europe. So this effort to unify Europe under one federal superstate is an effort to go against Bible prophecy, knowingly in some cases. In fact, if you look at the European Parliament building, it looks exactly like a Renaissance Renaissance, uh, painting rendition of what perhaps the Tower of Babel looked like. It's an unfinished tower with a circular structure to it. That's exactly what the European Union Parliament building is meant and built to look like. So there's an effort to upend and supersede God himself with the Bible refers to these rulers of this world who are coming to nothing. And I've had a hunch for quite some time that you'd see more nations bucking the European Union trend because when you have globalism on the march and you have a secretive, ultra-powerful LinkedIn cadre of global power elites who are saying, we're going to push forward global government, 
nation states and individuals and, and people with their um, provincial and, 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 and cultural and nationalistic mindsets, they, they, they say, no, I'm not sure I really want that, you know, corporatized global government ruling over the nation state. And so politically, historically, with, with, through these lenses, I've always thought, you know, is this European Union really going to succeed? Now, through biblical prophetic lenses, you know it's not going to succeed. And so watch for, if not Britain today, watch for more limitations and, and, and fracturing with the European Union power. Who knows how the vote will turn out today. Either way, we will keep an eye on it and continue to see how Bible prophecy is coming to the fore. But coming into Wednesday the leave vote was two points ahead in polling to, for, for Britain to leave the European Union. So we'll see how that turns out. I found it interesting, by the way, when they, when they reported on this, it was um, top world news. Campaigners issued 11th hour appeals as Britain prepares to vote on its membership of the European Union. Good, w- aptly put there on the part of the uh, AFP. And um, the 11th hour appeals being made to stay in or leave the European Union. And here we are with even more important 11th hour appeals. And that is, time is short. The global clock is ticking. And the time, what you call probationary time, the time period that we are allotted to take our stand with Christ and the Lamb or with the beast and the dragon and his mark, that time is short. And if you're not familiar with the beast and the dragon and his mark, what in the world is he talking about? You're probably thinking these are biblically prophetic symbols. And BibleProphecyTruth.com will break all that down. The Bible interprets itself. The symbols are very clear. You just got to dig into it and study in a bit. Just just open your Bible and study these things through. BibleProphecyTruth.com will help through that. But we're getting into the economic news today. We saw fund managers in high cash positions, 87% of Venezuelans saying they don't have enough money to buy food, China reaching its debt limit. How about this? One year later, after sort of launching into this 11th hour initiative with some warnings about some tumultuous times to come, indeed, what economic law has dictated would happen, and it doesn't take a, 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 a genius in economics to notice this, to see the cycles turning, to see the debt limits being reached. But now this headline, the stock market crash of 2016. Stocks have already crashed in six of the world's eight largest economies. And of course, that would be 2015 and through to 2016. So over the past 12 months, the Chinese economy is down 40%. That's the second largest economy in the world. That is huge news. Japan, down 26%. Germany, down 19%. These are all the largest economies in the world. UK, down 13%. France, down 20%. Italy, down 32%. And then in Brazil, which is the ninth largest economy in the world, literally they use the word collapse. The collapse of Brazil has, has surprised people regarding its magnitude. Venezuela, if Brazil is a collapse, I don't know what to call Venezuela. They're in total chaos United States, our stock market had two miniature collapse, bounced back from each one in August and then in January, and here we are standing at a lower stock market level than we had one year ago. So that's the latest on what has happened exactly in the 365, or I guess it would be 366 days by now, 
um, since the, the first newsletter of 11th Hour Dispatch went out on on uh, June 21 of 2015. So that would be 367 days ago saying, watch out for economic events and other global events, the, the rise of geopolitical tensions, the rise of terrorism, increase in civil unrest. This is all taking place. How did we know this? Well, the Bible says that the signs of the times will increase in their frequency and their intensity. So watch any current trends of uh, global um, crises of any kind, and you'll be able to note that they will worsen. <laughs> but at the same time, your walk with Jesus Christ grows closer. Like Enoch, who walked with God each day, and he was closer to the Lord each day to the point where he just walked right into heaven because he was ready. And that's the experience we will all have as well. So as all of these economic and other news items point to the signs of the times of Bible prophecy, let us look to the even more important development the increasing in our frequency and intensity of prayer, the increasing in how uh, how close we see the signs of Bible prophecy fulfilled draws us closer to the Bible, closer to Jesus Christ, and that's the whole reason we're on the air today. But some more information here from the news. Top uh, For the first time, the top choice of young adults age 18 to 34 is to live with their parents. For the first time in history, more young adults are living with their parents than in any other living arrangement. In the past, in 1960, there were three times more young adults living in a married relationship or occasionally in a cohabitating relationship, so they had moved out. Today, it's uh, it's the same number approximately, but a little more living with their parents than on their own. We'll be right back. To financially support this broadcast, visit 11thHourDispatch.com or write to us at 11333 Bacchus Road, Lakeview, Michigan, 48850. In research that I personally conducted, it was revealed that for every one hour that the average conservative Christian high school student spends in Bible study, prayer, and devotions, they actually spend, brace yourself for this, 25 hours on video games, movies, and television. If you didn't catch that, that's a 25 to 1 ratio of entertainment to spiritual pursuits. And most students spend no time at all on spiritual things. And we wonder why our youth are struggling? It's saturating our lives. Hollywood, popular music, video gaming, spectator sports, multitasking, and distraction. So what does the latest science say about the mind-altering effects of 21st century media? And what is the spiritual agenda in the entertainment industry? Visit 11th HourDispatch.com. Use promo code RADIO for a reduced suggested donation rate for the DVD set called Media on the Brain. Wonderful, merciful Savior, precious Redeemer and friend, who would have thought that a And we're back, and I have to say, that that song, that entry song that we come in with each time about the wonderful and merciful Savior, Jesus Christ, I can say that today I feel just fully alive. 
I talk often on the broadcast about the roboticized world and the constant 24-7 interfacing with the technology and just constantly being immersed in media and how we've got to get outside. This past weekend, uh, we had a number of seminars and rebroadcasts and, and, and taped interviews because I had the privilege and blessing to do a, to minister in California. The flew there with the family. Three-hour time difference with a five-year-old and a two-year-old, and the Lord provided and made that a tolerable experience. And my wife joined me on the platform to speak at Restoration International's family retreat. And that's a rare thing. In fact, you might say that's a first-time occurrence that my wife joined me. You know, the Lord often brings people together that are very different, right? Opposites attract. And so uh, where, where I uh, enjoy it and, and find it find it a natural fit to speak... Um, my wife really has to gear up for it and doesn't feel in the right you know, place up there, but the Lord gave her strength and the words to say, and it was a powerful weekend, not just because it was fun because I got to speak with my wife, Cammie, but also just meeting families who are coming apart into a nature setting for a retreat to focus on they're building their family and helping their children know the Lord and helping them all to draw closer to each other. In our world, we're all splintered. We're all fragmented. We're all on our own devices, at our own jobs, in our own vehicles, at our own desk, all the time, in front of our own personal television, you name it. And of course, you have to have times where you work and so on. And when I record the broadcast, that's some, the time where I'm in, in studio doing, doing this thing on my own. But I just came before the, the broadcast from the, the joyful experience of being outdoors uh, at our pond, which we've got 13 acres in the country here in mid-Michigan, and just being outdoors, swimming, running, jumping, playing with the children. I just wanted to urge the listener whether it's that or going for a hike or going camping or gardening, getting your hands dirty or just laying and looking at the clouds form and change and move above with your family, with your children or, or in solitude with Jesus talking to him. These are the kinds of experiences that we need to retain that peace. And you know, all the research and studies show the benefits of being outdoors and being physically active but this is just basic human living. This doesn't need research. This doesn't need a name. They have a name for it. They call it in the new age, like guru circles. They call being in the woods, they call it forest bathing. And I, I found that to be humorous. You know, I'm all for it. Go forest bathing. If you want to call it that, that's great. But it's kind of strange that we live in such a technologized, indoor, electronic addicted world that we have to come up with a new concept and have this new age flair and marketing to it and and call it forest bathing you know i just like being outdoors you know just being human but either way as we look at you know the news before the break of all of the the economic difficulties that our world is facing and how more young adults now are living with their parents than are married or cohabitating. By the way, cohabitating is not a good thing, but it is a sign of economic health when people are moving away from home and supporting themselves in whatever living situation that would look like. So it used to be three to one of, of people living off on their own versus living with their parents, and now it's one to one in just, just 50 years' time, 56 years' time. But the news gets even more serious when we look at what Haaretz reports here, the Israeli newspaper, Russia mobilizing for war. 
warns Canadian intelligence. Boy, have we heard a number of headlines over the last six months or ten months about this. Canadians prime, Canada's Prime Minister Justin Trudeau announced a possible commitment of troops to Europe. The Canadian government is considering a new commitment of hundreds of troops to Eastern Europe as part of an effort to deter Russian aggression in the region. At least that's the spin here. The Canadian Broadcasting Corporation reported on Tuesday. This follows a report by the Canadian Security Intelligence Services, the Canadian government's intelligence agency, based upon research by outsiders rather than its own assessment, warning that Russian President Vladimir Putin's hardline policies were becoming, quote, quote, more deeply entrenched and that, quote, Moscow is retooling its military for a fight and possibly mobilizing for war. And in fact, both sides are indeed mobilizing for war. AFP, the French press agency, reported that German Foreign Minister Frank Walter Steinmeier has criticized NATO. So the CBC article I just read was critical of Putin's, uh, Russia's um, aggressive stance. Now you've got on the Western side saying, wait a minute. NATO, the North Atlantic Treaty Organization, you got Western Europe there with Canada and the United States. German foreign minister is saying what we should do today is avoid inflaming the situation by warmongering and stomping boots. <laughs> it's his way of saying we're flexing military muscles here as well. And they're going on and saying, well, what are we doing mobilizing troops near the Russian border and, and stationing NATO military exercises higher than have ever happened? And this report from Zero Hedge also showing the tense the tensions rising. You've got cyber attacks as a possibility, right? And within a treaty alliance like NATO, there there's always an agreement that if one nation is attacked, that all the other nations will mobilize. And this is what the kind of thing that you know causes a wider war is when you've got these extensive alliances. Well, well, that's always been a given. But the latest thing from this report is that NATO has announced. That if a, if a member country of Western Europe, North America, becomes the victim of a cyber attack by Russia, by China, by whomever, then the collective defense uh, uh, statement, the collective defense clause in, in Article 5 of NATO's treaty would require the same response as a normal attack. So a cyber attack is now equivalent to an actual physical invasion of your country so you have a cyber attack that, that, that looks like it may have come from russia or from china all of a sudden according to this what nato has just announced is that this is grounds for war and the whole of nato is going to actively engage in military conflict over a cyber attack so in other words the uh the the likelihood for war just increased significantly who knows if it'll happen? Would we have nuclear war as a catalyst for the fulfillment of final events? Or will those final events of Bible prophecy fulfill before the possibility of a nuclear confl conflagration? I hope it's the latter and not the former. But we'll keep our eye on it and see what happens on the military geopolitical front. Shifting gears into the what you might call the religious response to the attacks last week in Orlando, the, 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 the mass shooting. I couldn't believe what I was reading here. This was tragic and sad and shameful. 
Huffington Post reports a Sacramento Baptist preacher is praising the shooting at the LGBT nightclub in Orlando that left 49 victims dead and at least 53 injured. Pastor Roger Jimenez, who preaches at the Verity Baptist Church, spewed a what they call a hate-filled sermon on Sunday after the early morning shooting that targeted the LGBT venue on Latin night. And here's what he said. You can be a the uh, you can assess whether this is hate-filled. He says, "Are you sad that 50 pedophiles were killed today?" Um, no. I think it's great. I think that helps society, he said. I think Orlando, Florida is a little safer tonight. As Christians, should we be mourning the death of these 50 vile, perverted predators? He said. Okay, I would qualify that as hateful, rude, unchristlike, horrible, venomous uh, thing to say. And um, I, I think that Jesus Christ is weeping over the death of his children. Because the Bible says that, that God's attitude toward rebellious sinners is, as it says in Ezekiel, why will you die? Why will you not repent and live? When God sees his children die, especially the, the second death at the end, his attitude toward them is one of sadness. It's not, yes, we've finally gotten rid of these rotten people. That is the attitude of the enemy. So when you hear so-called Christian voices coming out with things like this, run in the opposite direction and explain to people what Jesus Christ really, really teaches. It says in, in the book of Luke that God loves and is kind to his enemies. He is kind to his enemies. Another preacher said, all I'm saying is that when people die who deserve to die, it's not a tragedy, he said. There's no tragedy. I wish the government would round them all up, put them up against a firing wall, speaking of gays, put a firing squad in front of them and blow their brains out. I hate reading that. That's horrifically horrible. That's what's masquerading from some pulpits in America, in mainstream evangelical churches. You've got to know your Bible, folks, in this day and age, because when you read that kind of thing, that was all um, Mr. Pastor Jimenez, as his name is. Here's um, another one from the Faithful World Baptist Church in Tempe, Arizona. He said, look on the bright side. The good news that came out of the shooting. He says there's 50 less pedophiles in this world. He says these homosexuals are a bunch of disgusting perverts and pedophiles. That's who was a victim here are just a bunch of disgusting homosexuals at a gay bar. Okay. How unnecessarily horrible is this, right? I mean, when we preach the word of God and the word of God points out that practicing homosexual behaviors is sin and is an abomination to God. That is true, but it's also right alongside adultery, right alongside having a prideful heart. You know, even the most despicable, disgusting, horrific sinner, at least they don't have the sin of pride, which knows no need of repentance. You see, every one of these people could at any point turn and live. I know so many people who've given up practicing the homosexual lifestyle. And they've turned to Jesus Christ and found in him their salvation. And when you have this sort of rhetoric, uh, it's, it's, it's pushing them away. Or the kind of rhetoric that comes out of the um, radical Islamic sector, like this, um, what's his name, uh, Imam Hamza Sadagar, who said there are five things you can do to homosexuals. One, the easiest one maybe, 
chop their head off. That's the easiest, he said. Second, burn them to death. Third, throw them off a cliff. Fourth, tear down a wall on them so they die under that. Fifth, a combination of the above. So he says, this is the way you deal with people in their sin. How satanic is that? You know what our job is? To preach the everlasting gospel of hope, which calls the sinner to repentance. It does confront us with our sin. And indeed, practicing homosexual behavior is a sin, and Jesus Christ wants to free you from that sin. But all of this garbage from the so-called religious world, under any name, we disavow it. It has nothing to do with Jesus Christ. He offers hope. He offers wholeness. He offers righteousness through his blood on the cross. Look to him today. Here's Scott Ritzema with another final minute message. When I was into music, we always had to get the volume up just a little bit more than we did last month, last year. We had to have the new CD, the latest sound, the more edgy sound by this band. Ooh, a new band. And it always had to be stimulating in some new way, louder, more fringe styles of music. And you go down this slippery slope, and I now know why I was in that trap, in that downward spiral. Because it literally was doing things in my brain. According to Dr. Pierce J. Howard, the same thing, he's the director of the Center for Applied Cognitive Studies, and he stated that very loud music creates an altered state of consciousness akin to an alcoholic or drug-induced stupor that can become addictive. We have this from many different sources, musicians, scientists. My own personal experience testifies to it as well. Brought to you by BeltofTruthMinistries.org.